When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By no one's demand, but our own and from our home office here in less than sunny, kind of rainy, kind of damp, scenic Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions Podcast brought to you by our friends at Two Rivers Ford and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. We are very excited to have the Two Rivers Ford family be a part of what we're doing around here. On the 615 Sessions podcast, they will continue to help us elevate our game around the A to Z Sports Digital Network, and I'll tell you more about them and what we are doing with them here in just a second. Right now, I'm going to tell you about what we have ahead for you on the show. We have John Burton of News Channel 5 and WNSR. We have Teron Davenport of ESPN.com. Out here showing out, talking about some Titans training camp topics that I think of are, are, are of huge importance. We're going to talk about Isaiah Wilson. Teron had some very, very strong opinions on how ready he will be, not just when week one comes, not just through the first month of the season, but whether or not he is capable of contributing to this Titans football team this year as their first round pick. We spent some time on Nate Davis, Derek Roberson, both were carted off the practice field. Today, we talked about Yannick Ngakwe getting out of Jacksonville, taking a pay cut to do so, and how that should affect the Titans' market for Jadavion Clowney. Many things to discuss. Christian Fulton, Darrington Evans, many, many things ahead for you on the 615 Sessions podcast. But before we get to our great conversations, let me tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. They're going to work with us here on the 615 Sessions podcast. They're going to work with us on the primetime show. They're going to work with us throughout the course of this coming Titan season. And we are thrilled to be able to partner with one of the best brands, one of the longest standing brands here in Middle Tennessee. They've been in business for almost 40 years at Two Rivers Ford. And you know that longevity counts when you're making a big purchase like a vehicle. John Barker, his son Matthew Barker, the Barker family, all involved in this locally owned business. It is more important than ever right now to support local business. And it also means that they care and give back to our local community here in Middle Tennessee, as well as supporting their local teams, our local teams here in Middle Tennessee. TwoRiversFord.com is where you go. Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people. Let's get to John Burton and Teron Davenport.
Back here, 615 Sessions podcast presented by Two Rivers Ford, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. John Burton of News Channel 5, the Greg Pogue and John Burton Show, 9 to 11 weekdays on WNSR. JB, what's good, buddy? I appreciate you hanging out today. Absolutely, Buck. Anytime, my brother. How's everything with you? Life is good. We're Rona free. Football is go. back. We're two weeks away from kickoff, baby. I'm living, JB. We're going to make I'm fired it. up, man. I'm ready for some NFL ball. It's going to be an unusual year this year. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. I woke up yesterday and I said to myself, wow, the Titans play two weeks from tonight. And also in the, uh, in the undercard, my team, the Giants, take on the Steelers. So we got two Monday night football games coming up uh, in less than two weeks. And, it's hard to believe the NFL is here. It's just been such a crazy offseason with coronavirus and no preseason games. I'm one of the crazy – I'm weird like that. I kind of like preseason games. I like to see what the team's going to look like, you know, before the regular season or at least get an idea. You know, I haven't been able to go to as many practices as I would like. And, and uh, so I can't really say i got a, a real feel for this Titans team, but based on last year and who's coming back, you know, I, I think I do, but – you don't know what you don't know, Buck. So it's going to be very interesting once they finally hit the field and start playing games for real. Yeah, it's been just a cluster this entire – and, you know, for everybody and for much greater reasons than to not be able to watch preseason football. But you're right. it kind of, it's, it's disrupted in a way, you know, not to admit this to the audience, but in a way that's <laughs> kind of jarring for me. I feel unprepared for a football season where we've had nothing to do but time. We've had nothing right. to do – but sit around and wait, wait for football to start. And now, you know, with less than two weeks to go before they head out to Denver for Monday Night Football, I'm just kind of sitting here still trying to figure out who's, uh, who's actually on the roster this year and kind of sorting through all that just to have them be cut here in about four, four or five days <laughs> is the yeah. time that you're hearing this podcast. And I, you know, I, I say this, and, and it'll probably not be true because I'm sure I will get to pitching at some point later on when preseason football games actually do return to our lives. But I don't want to take these things for granted anymore because I, it's there's a there's a big knowledge gap for me in a way that I find to be, you know, I find to be very counterproductive. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I understand preseason games for most people. It's not really made for fans. Okay, it's it's. I, you know, the, the, the NFL owners will try to trick you into saying that it's for the fans because season ticket holders have to pay for those two home preseason games. They have to pay, pay uh, full price. But, you know, listen, you know, I was in Pittsburgh for a long time and I covered Bill Cowher. And Bill Cowher used to say it every summer. I need these coaches need these preseason games to really evaluate uh, their talent. And I've seen guys, and I'm sure you have as well, make teams based on a, on a great last preseason game, a guy that was probably going to get cut, but he goes out and he balls out in that final preseason game when most people are ignoring it. The coaches are paying attention because it's an opportunity for these bubble guys to, A, make the team that they're currently trying to make, or, B, put some good stuff on tape so that they'll get picked up off, off waivers. So, you know, I, I put a lot of stock into the preseason. I understand, like I said, it's, it's non-alcoholic beer for fans, but – you know, it really is a good uh, way to evaluate who you have on a roster. And coaches find these games very valuable. And when you look at what the Titans are doing now, you know, the fact that they don't have any preseason games, they really haven't had a lot of live scrimmages from what I understand. And so now you're talking about the first time 
you're going to be tackling guys to the ground and getting up and, and, and recovering from that and getting ready for another play, you're going to be in mile-high Denver, Colorado when that happens. So it's going to be interesting. Some coaches, you know, have done the 11-on-11 scrimmage. Vrabel is basically, as far as I know, chosen really not to do that. Some contact drills, more of the thud type thing. But it's going to be interesting. I, I'll, I'll be very interested to see what, what this game is going to look like in a couple of weeks on a Monday night in Denver. Yeah, it's going to be something curious, uh, curious indeed, as Teron Davenport, TD, the OG, joins What's up, TD? the chat. What's up, Big What's Dog? Up? Uh, nothing much, man. Just uh, had to make a couple last-minute additions to a post that I've been working on for a real long time, and a really long time, and I'm excited about it. So stay tuned on that one. At yeah, ESPN.com ES, is, of course, where you can read our buddy Teron Davenport at T Davenport underscore NFL on the socials. Teron, we were just talking about the lack of preseason, how I feel almost like there's a knowledge gap to my game with, uh, with how quickly all of this has arrived on our doorstep, still trying to ramp up without preseason games, without the ability to actually study these dudes outside of the practice field. To kind of uh, to kind of you know make things feel like a normal football season. We we talked about this many times around here. Nothing is normal at this point. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the rookies evaluations that Teron, JB, and I have made on these guys at practice. Uh, Vic Beasley, Jadavion Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe, the Jags dumpster fire. Many many things <laughs> on the NFL horizon. <laughs> What you got for me on the Jags, Ron? You said they're shaking your head. The people who are listening can't see it, but the YouTube audience is chuckling along. What your initial thoughts on what the hell is happening in the AFC South? You know, I wish I could have uh, got gotten with you before we started this and 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 had you have a video on on, on tap because you know when I think of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I, I it goes back to uh, the Rocky Four days. You know when. When the trainer said, throw the damn towel, Ron, throw the towel. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking of. Like, I, I hate to, to think like a team is actually tanking. And I don't really think they are, but, I mean, good gracious. They are just taking away every chance they have of winning. But I will say uh, Raquel Ar Armstead is a guy – I think that's how he's pronounced. I forget his last name. But he's a temple back. And I know a lot of teams had interest in him, in fact, Tony Dews, the Titans running backs coach, he was in Temple to work him out last year. So I know he's back there, and they have another guy out of Nebraska that I think should should help out. But it's just like, man, they, it's almost like they're throwing a towel. Right. By the way, the actor that played the trainer, his name was Tony Burton. No relation, but he, he actually passed away a couple of years back. So rest in peace to Tony Burton. Oh, yeah, I remember man, that scene well. You know, I know, I, I know every scene from all the Rocky films. So good job by you, TD. Let's all collectively take a moment, pour, pour one out for Tony Burton. Yeah, yeah uh, Tony Burton, six, we love you, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The 615 <laughs> Sessions podcast. All right, let's start, with, uh, let's start with the most immediate news today at practice. Uh, JB, I don't know if you were out there or not, Teron. I'm not sure how good of an angle you had on what took place with Nate Davis and Derek Roberson both having to leave practice with, uh, it, it appears, both leg injuries. Um, yeah. The extent 
we are we are not certain. It sounds like there may be better news on Nate Davis, or at least more news on Nate Davis at this point. Uh, they've been injury free thus far. Um, right. It is it is a shame for them have to you know from a team perspective uh, for them to have been hamstrung, no pun intended, uh, by these two for guys that they're going to need, frankly. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – well, the first thing and, – and it's funny because I was talking with somebody literally about the outside linebacker depth, right? And and they were – it was during seven-on-seven, seven, but I, I believe Robert, Roberson was over there in O-line, D-line drills. Not inside run, but kind of like that. And it, it just – you know, like I looked over and the person I was talking to looked over and they're like, well, you know, that changes things. And sure enough, it was Roberson on the cart. Now, I watched as they carted him to the building. It was kind of a football length away from me. But I could see when they got close how, you know, he was in pain. And, and one of his legs, you know, like when, you, when you're hurt and, and, and you kind of shake your leg and your foot is going back and forth like that, like, you know, like you're anxious. That's how he, he was on the cart. And uh, you hate to see that. And then when he got helped off, he had his arm around you know, um, the, the team pastor, as well as one of the trainers, and they helped him in. But it was the left leg that he was very ginger. Um, he was favoring it. So that's that one. And then the second one happened during um, – it was kind of like a team period. And I, I just all of a sudden you saw Nate Davis limp over to the defensive sideline. And he went down. And then they just, you know, they just bought the cart over before anybody even got to look at it. They fired the cart up, brought it over, and they took him off, and he was in serious pain. Uh, you could see the grimace, and you could – it was audible, you know, every time he had to put a little bit of pressure on that, that right leg. It was audible. But, you know, for the sake of, of, of those guys, man, you know, knowing that they work hard, knowing all the stuff that they put in, knowing that they're young, knowing that they have bright careers, I really hope that everything's okay with them. And also, TD, just knowing the fact that the Titans are relying on both of these guys. And you, yeah. know, you add that to the fact that, you know, A.J. Brown's missed some practices and two rookies that, you know, this team's going to be counting on. Darrington Evans and Christian Fulton have missed some practice time. And, you know, you know as well as I do. You guys know as well as I do. <clears throat> excuse me. This, uh, you know, this, this practice time is valuable. Again, you know, we talk about it ad nauseum. With no preseason games, you got to get your on-field reps. And so – um, yeah, I you're, I was not at practice today, but uh, great great job describing what you saw, TD. And uh, yeah, you certainly hope these guys are going to be all right, not going to be out long term. But based on the way you described it, it looks like they're going to miss some time, and that's uh, that's critical because, like I said, the Titans were were definitely counting on both these guys. Yeah, it's, it's just such trash for them to have to work their way through all of this stuff to get through the COVID offseason, the COVID preseason, the COVID camp. And now with less than two weeks to go, uh, this this be the case. And so we wish uh, we wish them the best success or the best uh, best wishes just in terms of their recovery. And, and hopefully it's um, shorter term more than anything else. Let's go th let's go through some other issues though cuz they got there's a lot of moving parts right now. Everybody's dealing with a lot of uncertainty, but the Titans have some particularly intriguing I don't know if they're full on problems yet, but there are things that you observe that that draw the attention, three in particular that I want to talk about with you guys. Which is the most concerning issue to our guest John Burton and Teron Davenport here with us on the 615 sessions? Of these three, we're going to talk about all three. Uh, Darrington Evans, 
and Christian Fulton, the rookie running back and corner, now having missed six days of practice at this point. Uh, we do not know what their injuries are. There were some speculations about Evans, it being a hamstring just based on where he was grabbing his leg uh, at that stadium practice. So we have that first and foremost, two rookies who uh, figured a factor in to what they want to do. Isaiah Wilson, Teron, we noticed this at practice yesterday. You pointed this out while we were watching offensive and defensive line individual work. This man is very, very raw, I think is a kind way to put it. He's losing snaps to Ty Sambreo, which is a much greater concern when Dennis Kelly is not on the practice field, the Titans' rookie first-round tackle. Then the pass rush, third to round out the top three issues. Vic Beasley still not on down the field. I heard reports that he was seen walking today into the bubble gingerly uh, by some accounts, which would indicate some form of injury. They keep him on NFI. They don't have to put him on an injury report when the season starts. So Vrabel can continue to play this shell game with us every time that we ask him about it. No Beasley, no Clowney, uh, lacking pass rush, especially at, without Derek Roberson. TD, which of those three hits you the hardest? Yeah, um, I'm probably going to say the pass rush, but I think it's it's heavily correlated to Christian Fulton as well because I really believe that if he didn't have that injury when they take the field against the Broncos on Monday Night Football, he was going to be the starting nickel corner. That's my opinion, you know, just based on some of the things I saw, the way they're matching him up with uh, Adam Humphrey so much in one-on-ones. But I, I say that because I firmly believe that this team is really going to rely on the back end help in the front end. And, you know, Deion Sanders and Warren Sapp, they have this thing where they always go back and forth. The, the back end helps the front end, according to, to Deion. The front end helps the back end, according to Warren Sapp. The fact of the matter is they help each other. So, really, what's going to have to happen, these guys on the outside and even at the nickel, they have to get up in the receiver's face. They have to cause that chatter, that hesitation at the line of scrimmage to disrupt the timing, which will give – these guys like Kamale Correa and, you know, uh, Harold Landry, DeAndre Walker, it will give these guys extra time to get to the quarterback because, quite frankly, they don't have that guy that you would just say, you know what, I'm going to put him out there. He's going to go get the quarterback. I don't care who's blocking him. They don't have that. So they have to find ways to develop that pressure. So the pass rush is a big issue for me. Big Beasley, this whole situation is just – I, I, you know, don't really know how to put it kindly, so I'll just say it's just – I shake my <laughs> head. But, I mean, it's it, it's a mess, right? And the guy was supposed to come in here and be someone that would really help out. And, I mean, there's still a whole season left that he could do that, but it just hasn't gotten off to the right start. Yeah, I got to agree with uh, TD on this and go with the pass rush. I mean, that's a big reason why the Titans didn't go to the Super Bowl. You know, they, they blew two 10-point leads in that AFC Championship game, mainly because they gave Patrick Mahomes all day to throw. And if, if that guy has time to throw, he's going to kill you. It, you know, we know that. You know, he's the best player in the NFL, in my, in my opinion. And this Vic Beasley thing, I, I, I agree with you, TD. I just, you know, you show up late and then you can't pass your physical and there doesn't seem to be any sign of this guy – practicing, you know, you start to wonder if he's going to be available for that Monday night game. And, and as Teron said, 
you know, there really isn't that guy that you can count on to get to the quarterback no matter what. You know, Harold Landry uh, started off great last year. I remember midseason last year saying this guy might make the Pro Bowl. He tailed off. You know, Correa is kind of a spotty player. Um, you know, he's good. He's got some skills. Uh, we, I have no idea what, what we have in DeAndre Walker yet because I haven't really seen him perform, you know, other than, uh, than practice. So, you know, you look, at, you look at Darrington Evans, and I know we're going to get into that, you know, uh, I think that's why they brought in Jeremy McNichols. I think, yeah. you know, he provides some good depth. He knows the system a little bit. And I agree with uh, Teron as well about Christian Fulton, that he's going to be a guy that they're going to really count on in those nickel situations. But if I got to pick one, it's got to be pass rush because that was supposed to be a top priority for this team this offseason to improve the pass rush. And right now there's just too many unknowns. Yeah, we'll circle, we'll circle back to the other two issues that we mm-hmm. discussed. I'd like to stay here because Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe takes $6 million less in a trade that I think is well below what his value was to get the hell out of Jacksonville, but he's going to go play for $12 million a year once this gets restructured with the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm sitting here looking at this. You hear the Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports report today about Jadavion Clowney. The market for him does not exist north of $15 million as we get closer and closer to this thing. If you're going to pay Yannick Ngakwe $12 million a year, who is clearly a superior pass rusher, maybe, maybe, maybe not all-around player, but I think that argument could very easily be made as well, Teron. What is, what is Clowney worth to this team if Ngakwe is getting 12? I think if Ngakwe is getting 12, Clowney's worth 14. And I say that because, in my opinion, when you're paying that level of money to a player, it's not just about what he could do. It's about how he could help others be better. And I personally feel that that Clowney is a guy that, that would make other players around him better, especially more than what Ngakwe could do. And look, Ngakwe, is a, he's a really good player. And I, I think what, what he does, you know, as far as being used on those stunts, that works parallel with what the Titans like to do on, on defense. But I feel like even from a pass rush perspective, I think Clowney is a better player than Ngakwe as a pass rusher even, although the sacks don't reflect that, I just say you got to look at the pressures and you got to look at how disruptive he is. And I, I think really that makes him a better player than Ngakwe. So by all means, if Ngakwe could get 12 men, and man, listen, I'll tell you this much, with that Vikings defensive line coach, he's going to be vicious on the opposite <laughs> side of Neil Hunter. But I still feel that, that if Ngakwe's getting 12, Clowney should get every bit of 14 to 15 million. That's not even a conversation, in my opinion. JB, yeah, the it's only between, thing. It's between them. It's between the Titans and the Seahawks at this point. And he's already turned the Seahawks down because they came in under what he wanted, and it's being reported at twelve million. He turned down Browns deals from the Browns for one, two, and three years that he was getting closer to eighteen million. This dude can't get the hell out of his own way, and now I think at this point he's just got to decide what makes the most sense to him. I don't think this is a Buzz Cook issue. People are talking about him wanting to fire his agent, Buzz Cook. This dude, Buzz Cook is trying to do everything he can to make sure that Clowney doesn't lose any more money at the cost of Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people think that way based on what Logan Ryan did, right? He fired his agent, and then uh, 
you know, wound up getting a deal with the Giants, kind of a homecoming for him, you know, Rutgers guy from Jersey and that kind of thing. You excited about that? You fired up? Uh, Well, listen, you know, Xavier McKinney's going to be out for a while, and uh, DeAndre Baker is on uh, the exempt list. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to – that's a young secondary. His experience and leadership is going to help, plus the fact that he can play corner and and or safety. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's a a good get for the Giants. but getting back to Clowney, here's the thing, man. You know, we all know the kind of players that Mike Vrabel wants, right? They want relentless, tough guys that are just going to play hard and finish. He always talks about effort and finish. Can we say that, you know, for 60 minutes about a guy like Jadavian Clowney? He's a tremendous talent, unbelievable player. But part of me feels like if this deal was going to get done, because I keep hearing – you know, all, all off season, right? Titans Twitter's been buzzing. When are we signing Clowney? It's a done deal. We're going to get Clowney. My partner on the radio, Greg Pogue, says it's a done deal. They're going to get Clowney. Why hasn't it happened yet? And you wonder, Mike Vrabel knows Jadavian Clowney pretty well. And you kind of wonder if this deal hasn't gotten done yet. Now, this may get expedited based on some of the injuries we saw. But I'm just kind of wondering, you know, does Jadavian Clowney for, you know, Three hours of football, however many plays in an NFL game, does this guy completely 100% fit what, you know, Mike Vrabel wants in a football player in terms of effort and finish? I don't know if I can say that. But, you know, I actually, he's motivated, I believe, TD, when I he's motivated, he yeah, I agree with you. You know, pay, you know he's, he's, he's worth big time money. Go ahead, I, I believe that he fits that. And I, I okay. believe from an effort perspective. And, you know, honestly, with Clowney, Really, what you have to look at is they're still interested, right? Every time you hear John Robinson speak, he says that, you know, we're still interested. They're still interested there. We're still in touch with them. So I think that's more of a a positive testament to Vrabel's opinion of Clowney, but more importantly, John Robinson's opinion. Because if they weren't interested, they would say, listen, man, we're just going to look elsewhere. So they're still interested. So I, I think that really says something. I, I'm looking at this and I think, you know, I think there's, there are, there are concerns understandably with the way that he personally has handled this situation, right? You, you, you want, you want this guy to just get out of his own way. You want him to want to play football for your team. You want to pay him this money at this point. It doesn't look like he's going to get more than one a year deal, but uh, Teron, to your point about, him as a him as a a well-rounded player, him as a more complete player, if you want to make the argument for it, than Ngakwe. I've never seen a defensive lineman, or at least you know my my experience watching football is less than you two, um, just simply from a you know not the age you guys, but from a year's perspective. Uh, <laughs> I I have seen less football, but I have seen few defensive linemen take over a game the way that Jadavion Clowney last season when he was playing for Seattle did against the San Francisco 49ers. It was a master class in line of scrimmage work, in disruption. Uh, he was he was the bringer of doom for that Seattle defense that needed it uh, in a big way. Now with with Robinson, I think I think we've we we kind of know we kind of know what John's MO is on these kind of things. He understands that the skill set is one that they need. He understands uh, he understands that there's value to it. It's just how much is he willing to go? Um, how much is he willing to overextend himself financially or otherwise to make this happen? I think that Brabel 
matters very much in this. I think in the same way we talked to Will Compton today on Zoom, the same way that Vrabel's texting Will Compton, you know, Sunday morning, like, hey, you in shape? Let's, uh, let's, get, let's get a workout in. I'm sure there's communication, and we don't know this to be fact, but I'm certain that there's communication between Vrabel and Clowney, given their pre-existing history together. And I, I guess you would just, if you are somebody who is wanting this team to sign him, um, you want to see that enthusiasm reciprocated from the guy that you're trying to pay. Now, he has more options than Will Compton. Obviously, those are not uh, – that's an apple and oranges comparison to be very generous. But uh, I just I, – I don't know I, – I can't figure him out because what he does just doesn't make sense. Like, I think that's why I get so wrapped up in this. What he is doing just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, when you're talking about my – uh, our ages, you got to remember, TD and I grew up watching, you know, Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White and Bruce Smith. First Those guys were bad boys, no, right, TD? When motivated, I think is is it can be in that class. And, you know, Bruce Smith kind of gave him the seal of approval when he got drafted. But you're right. It's just it's very confusing when you figure out when you try to figure out what he's what he's doing. And part of me wonders. Is he willing to just sit out a year and just chill and then come back and hit the free agent market next year? With COVID-19, we don't know what the salary cap's going to be. I imagine it's going to go down. I mean, teams are going to be losing revenue this year because there's not going to be hardly any fans in the stands and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's very confusing as to what he's doing. I'd, I'd love to just, you know, get a peek into his mind and, and, and figure out what his M.O. is. I mean, he, I think he's motivated to play this year. But, I mean, if he's got his heels dug in saying, I'm not paying – you know, I'm not playing for a penny less than, you know, 18, 20, whatever it is. Yeah, the report you know, was 15 right. or he'd consider. Yeah. Peter King went on the radio uh, here in Nashville on, with our friends on midday and said mm-hmm. uh, that he, Peter King, had heard if he wasn't going to get $15 million, he would Clowney would consider sitting out the season. Well, well, there you go. And I don't know if he's going to get $15 million. I mean, um, you know, I it, it, remember Logan Ryan didn't want a penny less than $10 million. I go back to that and – you know, got a new agent, and now he's, you know, he's going to have to settle for $7.5 million with the Giants. I guess he won't eat out as much, I know. You know? <laughs> we should all be so lucky to take a pay cut like that, right? <laughs> those, those jersey taxes going to hit him over the head, yeah. though. He's, he's going home. <laughs> That's, well, it'll catch up. Well, here's the thing. He, he's, from, he's from Jersey. He knows where to get a good Coke and a slice. So, you know, forget about it. <laughs> no question. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's circle back to Isaiah Wilson, Teron. Um, what we observed yesterday as we're taping this podcast on a Tuesday, Monday's practice, uh, the observation that you made to me while we were watching the offensive lineman, the dude just, he's, he's on the ground too much. Like he over, he overextends himself in a way that takes him out of the player, takes him out of the rep. He's a physically, obviously a physically, um, massive human being and that exert you understand that what he's used to doing is like Vrabel talked about with DeAndre Walker where he's been able to get away with some stuff because he can physically overpower people you're seeing that kind of come out uh, come to bear at practice through these reps and when he's not able to beat out or at least at this point understanding everything is different this year than any other year but if he can't get reps behind Dennis Kelly when Ty Sambreo, who is a known commodity and not uh, by any stretch of the imagination, a great one, if the first-round pick for the Titans can't get on the field that way or just can't even compete that way, 
How, how concerned are you with him at this point? I really think it's time to table any opinion, or not opinion, but any hopes of him contributing this year. I, I don't really see that happening. It's a conditioning thing, and you could tell just by how he gets down in his stance. He's very high, and I'm even talking about when they run blocking, not just when they're getting down, uh, you know, and they're two points to, to drop into, uh, you know, pass sets. It, it's high, and what ends up happening is you see him trying to fire off the ball, and his pad level is low, and it's naturally going to be uh, – or excuse me, pad level is high. It's naturally going to be high – because of how, how tall he is. So that is already something he has to focus on, even when he's conditioned. One of the things that you really, you know, you know and A.J. Brown kind of touched on it when he talked about fatigue with his routes later in games, that edge is taken off of the way you play the game. So for a lineman, you know, as you get fatigued, your technique tends to fail you. And really that's what will just negate his size. Because if you have a guy like a Wyatt Ray who I've seen on multiple occasions, get up underneath him and, and drive him back. It doesn't matter how big he is because he won the, the, the le uh, leverage battle. So that's a big problem. And then as you mentioned, he's on the ground a lot. You could just tell that he's, he's, not, he's not where he wants to be. He needs to be conditioning-wise. And it's interesting because when camp first started and he was out there, that was something that actually stood out to me. I was like, hey, the big fella's moving around, okay. So it's just kind of like he's hit a wall, and, it, you know, something's going to have to happen to click, to spark. But I really think that he's shifted into developmental mode as far as, you know, if I was a personnel guy, I would say that's where he is right now. And that's not to say he can't be good in the future because, I mean, you look at what happened in Georgia, it was kind of the same situation. He had that first year, he said, you know what, I need to take a step back and get acclimated. And then, you know, that following year, he ended up, you know, playing really good football and eventually he got drafted in the first round. Yeah, I have, I have a whole lot to add to what TD said. I mean, I don't, I don't profess myself to be a, an expert on an interior offensive line play. Um, maybe that was the case all along, you know, knowing that you had, you know, assuming he's healthy, Dennis Kelly to be your starter at right tackle and you're going to work this kid in at some point, maybe – like TD said, maybe, you know, it's not, not his time right now. Maybe he's got to go back to the lab and just, you know, learn how to do this on the pro level. But uh, I think the kid's talented. I think he's got a great attitude um, based on what I've seen. And I think he's willing to learn. It's just a matter of, you know, getting him NFL ready. And, you know, well, let me put it to you this way right now. Let me put it to you this way, though, JB, because like they've yeah. done this now twice in two years with the first round draft pick. Uh, the right. Jeffrey Simmons situation, much, much different. They could they felt that they could afford to have this guy miss some time out of the gate when in reality, the goal of every NFL team is to have their first round pick contribute in some form or fashion their rookie season. That should be the stated objective, the stated goal. Now, they got away with it last year, ended up paying huge dividends for them the way that they waited it out until week seven. What Tehran is saying um, is that you can kind of table the idea. for Now, you have a luxury in Dennis Kelly that allows you to do that, uh, and I think a great one. Like, it could not be a better – I mean, given the circumstances, it really could not be a better situation than to have a guy like Dennis Kelly – who understands the language that the offensive line speaks, who understands the scheme, who's been a piece of this offense in some form or fashion throughout the duration of his career here. But can they, can they do this? Can they do this twice with a first round pick 
that doesn't, that cannot make or is not ready to make an, an immediate impact and you be okay with how John Robinson has handled it? Yeah, I see what you're saying because it comes to that factor of going to the well one too many times perhaps, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. Actually, your first, you know, first, second, and third round picks are, are really normally uh, guys you expect to right away. So, yeah, it is, you know, a tad disappointing to hear that maybe this guy is not ready to contribute right away. Um, and I don't know what it says about John Robinson and, and his ability to bring in first round picks because, you know, there's still, you know, we're still talking about Corey Davis after all these years who, you know, was the fifth overall pick when he came out. So uh, I can understand where those questions come up. Am I okay with it? For now, I am assuming that, uh, you know, Wilson is able to put in the time and develop and get NFL ready sooner rather than later. I'm good with it until I'm not. John <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. John Burton. That's how I roll, baby. <laughs> Bring it's good it. until it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in the fire here on the 615 Sessions podcast. Plugs on the way out the door. I appreciate my friends, Teron Davenport and John Burton, for taking some time to join us here on the pod. Both. Have radio shows, TD on 102.5 The Game, Friday nights, Nate and TD with former Titans wide receiver Nate Washington. They had their first show last Friday. If you can't catch it live, you can get the digital version available wherever it is that you get your podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow him on the socials at tdavenport underscore NFL and read his uh, future uh, future pieces, one he is very excited about, uh, on the Tennessee Titans at ESPN.com. You can get John Burton on your radio dial as well, weekdays 9 to 11 a.m., the Greg Pogue and John Burton Show on WNSR, and News Channel 5's sports coverage on a regular basis. Gentlemen, uh, a pleasure as always. Uh, good to be able to talk some shop with you, and uh, – you know, maybe maybe next time we'll get more wrestling impressions. We'll involve Brett Bryan. We'll make it a big show. Three Ring Circus here on the 615 Sessions. Thanks for doing this. Hey, anytime, man. I got the utmost respect for, for you and TD, Buck. You guys do a great job. And uh, seriously, I mean, if, if Titans fans, these two guys are a must-follow. So yeah. make sure you – Teron, I understand. Me, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just TD's here. TD's the man. TD is the man <laughs> okay. all day. <laughs> You're getting there. Yeah, baby steps. Baby steps. A lot of, like I said, you guys are older than me. I got time. Teron Davenport and John Burton here on the 615 Sessions. All right. Five good minutes on this Tuesday to put a bow on today's pod. We're going to talk about... Vic Beasley, Jadavion Clowney, and the situation with the Titans pass rushers. Now, we spent some time with John Burton and Teron Davenport on this earlier in the pod, but I feel that it's important to address how exactly we found ourselves in this situation. There has been an update on the status of Jadavion Clowney. It matters for the Titans because Vic Beasley at this point is not available. It appears that he is dealing with, it has not been reported, nor has it been noted by the team that he's dealing with some kind of injury, but we know that he's not yet past his physical. We know that he was seen at practice on Tuesday. Limping is probably the best way to put it, favoring one leg over the other. It appears to be some kind of, if we're going to use the hockey parlance, lower body injury. And this guy hasn't practiced as a Tennessee Titan. So how does all this factor in for 
this team. For John Robinson, for Mike Vrabel, who lost Derek Roberson for at least some amount of time here today, who are already facing a lack of depth, a lack of top-end talent at their edge-rushing positions. Here is the report from Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. He joined the Pat McAfee Show earlier today to give an update on Jadavion Clowney, what he's hearing, and how exactly this factors in for the local professional football team. How about Jadavion Clowney? What's going on with him? I assume there's teams interested. Well, it seems interested, but okay, so the Titans still have not been able to get him in for a physical. I think they're really frustrated. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, that trade did not help him. Okay, so Ngakwe goes to Minnesota. He takes the haircut for $12 million a season, and already you had teams that were staring at Jadavion Clowney going, You're t- we, we want to offer you $12 million a season. You know, Seattle came out of the box at $12 million a season um, for one season for, for Jadavion Clowney. He left a deal, you know, so Cleveland offered him one, two, and three-year deals that were all between $17 and $18 million. I don't, that's not coming. Any team I've talked to now, that's just not something they'd be interested in offering him. The longer this is gone, I think the less likely it is that he's going to get north of $15 million, and he's not getting anything beyond a one-year deal. So um, I still, I said this repeatedly, I'll keep repeating it, I think it's Tennessee and Seattle, and I think it's all on Clowney deciding, you know, really what the number is that he's willing to play for. And if it's if it's sub fifteen, this I think can get done. Maybe it's twelve or thirteen with incentives that could potentially push it. But there's just his market is not great. And then Gakwe trading, Gakwe taking twelve million dollars and not winning a no no franchise clause in the trade was was something that really hurt. Think is about this. this on Cl- Hold on, no. Like if his agent lost him. Uh, thirty-four, fifty-one million dollars potentially from Cleveland yeah, or whatever it is. It wasn't his agent though. It you think it's clowny? That's one hundred percent clowny, yeah. huh? Absolutely, that was clowny. Yeah, I, was, I mean, there's been times where <laughs> teams have like said, "Is he going to fire Bus Cook?" Like they're like, "Is he? Is he like? Is this like? Is is there a problem between Jadavion Clowney and Bus Cook?" Because there have been times where teams have told me they've reached out to Bus Cook and said, "We need to get Jadavion on the phone. We want to talk to him." And then Bus Cook was kind of like. I'll do what I can. And and so, you know, it's this is Jadavion Clowney absolutely who's who's driving this. But again, think a about Ngakwe. You the Minnesota Vikings who are like, we could go sign Clowney for fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollars for a season, or we could give up a second round pick and a fifth round pick and you know, go get Yannick Ngakwe for twelve million dollars. Instead, we'll give up the assets and the money and go get Yannick Ngakwe. I mean that's I don't want to say it's an indictment on Jadavion Clowney, but there's concerns about him having sat out all this time, the injuries from prior, the fact he hasn't been in for physicals. There's just a lot there that I think teams are, are really disconcerted. So it was Charles Robinson, again, the audio courtesy of the Pat McAfee Show. This is the fault of Jadavion Clowney. This is more than anything else because I've been asked in a variety of different places. You guys have asked me on social media. You guys have slid into the DMs on Insta. You hit me up on Twitter. You slide into the podcast reviews, and you want to know what the hell is going on with Vic Beasley and Jadavion Clowney. More than anything else at the position that it is most important to have some kind of solution on if you're going to keep pace with the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you're going to keep pace with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, You need pass rush. You need pass rush, and you need depth. Vic Beasley has torpedoed 
this Titans offseason. It continues to be the story of the Titans offseason. If he is not available after the first month of the season, and that, you know, that seems like a long time, but hell, it's September 1st as we sit here talking to you today, and that seems to have approached us very, very rapidly. I thought it was still March 10th when all of sports ended, uh, if you'd have asked me the other day. Vic Beasley has torpedoed their offseason in a way that nobody could have predicted. Nobody could have predicted, despite how many different reports you were seeing out of Atlanta, whether, whether this guy loves football or not, whether this guy is focused on the, on the church that he would like to start in his home state of Georgia after his football life, whether his focuses were divided, whether it's just some kind of personality situation with Vic Beasley where he's not comfortable or, or cripplingly shy or something like that because he seems to be... A head case is not fair because I haven't talked to this guy. I haven't met this guy. COVID makes it harder because we're not in the locker room. But this dude has been completely withheld from the Titans media, so I can't give you a fair evaluation on where exactly Vic Beasley is right now. Other than to talk to Mike Vrabel today and have him tell us that he's making progress in terms of learning their defensive scheme. Training camp's over. Offseason's over. Football starts in less than two weeks and Vic Beasley is making progress learning the defensive scheme. Nothing on the field, nothing outside of some bike work in the weight room and some Zoom classroom work. This is the situation that they find themselves in. So then you go to what Charles Robinson just said about Clowney and how it's the Titans and the Seahawks left in this race, how the market for him has completely evaporated, and how it's just about Clowney getting the hell out of his own way and making a decision that does not cost himself more money. Are the Titans the best solution for him? I would think that they give him the best chance to win, given what the Seahawks are as a team, given what the Seahawks face in a very, very difficult NFC uh, NFC West division where the 49ers are stacked, where you look at how Seattle measures up against the rest of their competition. This is a situation where the Rams are, are looking to make a rebound and are going to try and push. They have the talent there. They have the coaching there. In theory, maybe their quarterback play is less than desirable and the running back situation is completely depreciated since Todd Gurley is gone. But I think that Jadavion Clowney has a better chance of winning anything in the AFC South than he does in the NFC West. That's personal opinion. I think that Clowney would be fascinating to cover as a story, so maybe my objectivity is off in that regard. But make no mistake that Vic Beasley, Jadavion Clowney, people are going to look at John Robinson no matter how those two situations pan out and say, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you do more homework on Vic Beasley? Why didn't you make more of an effort to sign Jadavion Clowney once you gave up Jarrell Casey? Why didn't you do more? And to those people, not to speak on behalf of John Robinson, but to look at it from John's perspective, I understand why they made the move with Vic Beasley that they did. I was surprised that the move was actually Vic Beasley as opposed to one of the other players that was available to help them improve their pass rushing ability. But I understand why they did what they did for financial reasons with Clowney up in the air. With Clowney, I'm I'm giving John a pass on everything related to Jadavion Clowney. I am absolutely out on how Jadavion Clowney has handled this situation. It seems to be completely self-destructive, self, uh, just 
caused by him and only him because he thinks that he's worth more money than he is. And I'm never going to tell you guys. I'm never going to tell Jadavion Clowney. I'm never going to tell John Robinson. I'm never going to tell anybody to devalue themselves based on what they think that they are worth. I'm also going to tell them, anybody, Jadavion Clowney in particular, that self-awareness can help you make it a lot further in life and certainly help you further your financial situation and your football situation if you are somebody who is still looking for a job on September 1st. Six months of free agent for Jadavion Clowney. Six bleeping months. Insanity. Here on the 615 Sessions podcast, brought to you as always by Two Rivers Ford and a to Z Sports Nashville.com. Two Rivers Ford, your online Ford superstore. We appreciate their support. We appreciate your support. We appreciate the support of our friends, Teron Davenport and John Burton. Make sure you thank them for their time. Let them know that you listened to the pod, that you enjoyed what they had to say. Disagree with them if you so choose. Just let them know that you enjoyed their appearances, their many appearances. TD, a frequent guest, as is JB. They take their time to do this show. They appreciate being able to engage with you guys, so let them know that you liked what they did here on today's show. Also, continue to leave your reviews, your questions, your comments, your concerns in the Apple iTunes review mailbag. You leave your comments, your questions, whatever the case may be with five stars in the iTunes review. I will read them on the Thursday pod that we will do with, now again, for the second time, Titans linebacker Will Compton of Bustin' with the Boys. He's going to be the guest. We're going to cut that one tomorrow, and it will be available to you. So if you have questions for me, if you have questions for Will, you can leave them, and we will get to them on air in the iTunes review mailbag. They just have to come with five stars in your review. I'm going to get out of here. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I hope that you enjoy football being on the horizon. I hope that you enjoy that sports are back in our lives and we're talking about right tackle depth and edge rushing needs and all of these things that actually, you know, mean sports, sports back in our lives. And so in the meantime, enjoy all of those things. And I'm going to tell you that you need to stay safe, stay clean and stay hot. Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>